It's the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Obius. Dennis Cox back at the ranch. We are at PNC Arena ahead of the season opener, Carolina Hurricanes versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. We had a fun conversation with Tom Dundon, Carolina Hurricanes owner, in the last segment. If you missed any of that, you can check it out on the Best of the OG podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, we're there. Five stars only, positive vibes only. Dundon's vibes were good, even with some of our difficult questions about beer prices. Yes, he I'm, was. Sh- I'm shocked to find out that the owner of a sports team wants to make money. Uh, well, why would you want to do that now? Come on. Come on. No, he was he was trying to say he was being responsible. He was trying to help the community. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah I, you know yeah. what? I, that's not a bad answer. It's not. It's actually not a bad answer. Because five, five bucks for a beer makes it really easy to go it, back for another does, one. It does. But, yes. here, but low key, it's and I don't think anybody at R&D is going to get on me for saying this, but the alcohol volume on a stone brew ain't all that. Sure. I'm just saying. But it but was again, it was like the novelty, us, right? Of... Some, some of us don't have that liver like you and me. No. You know? Well, you know me. I'm Well, no, you it's I nap got like time. two beer flavored beers and it's it's, and nap, I'm out. it's nap time for you, yes. man. Nap time for Joe Gillio after <laughs> two beers that are three and a half percent. No doubt. So uh, before we tell you what's trending, we had a couple people come up and play our game. Name that new cane. Did anybody win an Arctic Tumbler? Yes. Uh, and uh, one of our seasoned fans ran the table like he was studying oh. flashcards this morning at the breakfast. So either it was that impressive. Or he, either that already watched our conversation with Mike Minsko. Uh, I'm going to give him credit. All right. He, all was, right. he was on it. I'll call it. That's it was like a Sudoku. Like, you know, he's keeping himself sharp. That's good. That's good. So. If I think we got one more Arctic Tumbler here. So between now and the end of the show, if you come on up here at PNC Arena where we're, we're broadcasting in the plaza, and you can name that cane, that new cane, you can win an Arctic Tumbler with the fan logo on it. Coming up in about 10 minutes, West Durham, ACC Network. He's at ACC Tip-Off in Charlotte. Kind of get a general vibe about what's going on. Also look ahead to the weekend of college football. Big, big matchup between North Carolina and... And Duke, not some, not not something we thought we'd be talking about a couple weeks ago, but this one on Saturday at Wallace Wade is going to be really, really interesting. Plus, Luke DeCock, News and Observer columnist, he'll drop on by as well to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? It's brought to you by Geico, where you got a number of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call one eight hundred nine four seven ONO. Go online to geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. Did something last night, Joe, I haven't done in a really, really long time. Yeah. I watched a game as a fan. Oh. The Yankees have pulled me back in, Joe. I was locked in. Game one, ALDS. Yankees win 4-1 to one over the Cleveland Guardians. First of all, the Guardians, some kind of bullpen. My goodness, I'm yeah. terrified now. But Yankees win. They get a two-run home run from Anthony Rizzo. Stanton hits a home or two. Listen, Yankees. I'm scared about their pitching, Joe. Yeah, that's been, but I am excited to see it. Braves lost yesterday. I was enjoying that. I thought the Astros were going to lose. Jordan Alvarez, my goodness, what a shot! They were down what seven three. They were getting roasted, but the Astros are the favorites in the East in the AL for a reason. Impressive stuff. Great I, playoff baseball. You know me. I like to complain about baseball often. Yes, playoff baseball. It's the best. I'm not going to lie to you. It's next, awesome. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. NC State's taking on Syracuse on Saturday. NC State will not have Devin Leary. The question is, will the walk-on grad transfer 
be the QB the entire time the entire time against Syracuse. Jack Chambers, who came in in relief of Devin Leary after he hurt his shoulder in the win against Florida State, had that something that we've seen before. You know, he could do something with his legs. It's obviously an issue that Devin Leary has had to work through. He's, you know, more of a traditional quarterback. Dave Doran, NC State head coach, addressed the media earlier this week, and he kind of highlighted what the situation is going to be with quarterback because you got Jack Chambers who came in, but there's also another guy they believe in, in MJ Morris. Here is what Dave Doran had to say playing really good, you know, in that game and you're 200 yards rushing and, you know, the way we were looking at their front and how tired they looked. I mean, it felt like we were doing the right things and matchup wise. So, but yeah, if if we're going to have to get into a game and chuck it around, we feel great about him and MJ is going to have to be ready to go. Ben Finley is going to have to be ready to go, you know, and everybody's on deck as we get Devin ready to play. Ben Finley. Now, that's a name I haven't heard in some time as I channel my inner Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I didn't even dress for the ECU game, yeah. so he's been moved down the depth chart. But MJ Morris is a guy who they think is their next quarterback. He's the next Phillip Rivers. He's the next Mike Glennon. He's the next Russell Wilson. He's next in line. And a kid from Georgia, he's two-way. He's a dual-threat quarterback. But obviously, they think of him as someone who can throw the ball around the yard a little bit. Chambers can, too. Uh, I, I know mostly what we saw him was run and run out of trouble. A lot of that's on the offensive line, Joe. Yeah. So, you know, the mobility is a plus, and, and I don't expect this to be a, a, a let's trade paint high-scoring type of affair between the Orange and the Wolfpack on Saturday in Syracuse. Next up. So while uh, Raiders receiver Devontae Adams was exiting the field on Monday night after a difficult loss for the Raiders in the last second to the Chiefs, he pushed uh, a person – in with a a sideline pass as he was walking off the field. Well, today, a misdemeanor assault charge was brought against Adams in Kansas City. And according to the court documents, it was an intentional overt act that inflicted bodily injury. Uh, The man shoved by Adams has been identified as Ryan Zebley. According to this court documents, he suffered whiplash, a headache, and possible minor concussion from the incident. I'm sorry. No. He was he was working for ESPN's Monday Night Football as a freelance photographer. As somebody who was recently in a car accident and didn't decide to go with a whole, have you been injured enough? You know, like I don't sure. want to go full on, you know, lawyer ad here. I just like, look, man, I just want my money for my car and we'll keep it moving. That's ridiculous. I honestly, especially I, considering it did seem it wasn't obviously he pushed him with both hands and intentionally, but it wasn't like he sought the guy out. Right. And was like lighting him up. The it was you're was, in my way. Get the hell out of my way. Right. I'm, not, I'm not happy right now. I'm mad. Doesn't excuse what Adams did, but also don't think we're ready to call in the ambulance that, here. This is what I'm getting at. I, I look when you're on the field, different rules apply sometimes. Yeah. Okay. And it, like you said, it wasn't like Devontae Adams was go seeking out somebody to shut. This it wasn't was, the Stanford band. It, yeah. This was not soul asylum. Right. right. <laughs> excuse me. So. Woo, allergies, baby. Doing a show outside is getting me. So, if I'm if I'm the guy, I'm just like, you know what? Hey, Devontae Adams, give me something I can sell on eBay. You yeah. know? Just give me something. Yeah. But admit, like, actually filing charges? Get out of here with that crap. All right, next up. Number two. Two. The ACC tip-off. Where Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, addressed the media today in part two of his State of the Conference address. He does it in July at kickoff. Tip-off is to follow up on a couple of different things. An interesting point of conversation was related to the NCAA tournament. And Jim Phillips talked about NCAA tournament expansion, which is 
tied into a larger story about the NCAA and expanding all of their bracketed tournaments. Here's what Phillips had to say about expanding the NCAA tournament. And not only looking at the men's basketball and women's basketball tournament, but some of the other tournaments that have fewer opportunities. When you have, you have this, this compression that I feel that we have to address in the sense that you have a lot of schools that are spending tremendous amount of resources in, in sport, sports and not having a chance to access those championships. Um, I certainly felt like we needed, we deserved more than five ACC teams last year on the men's side, and I felt like we, need, we deserved more than eight on the women's side. But the numbers are the numbers. And again, my perspective and our perspective of the ACC, I'm not interested in cutting back those AQs. Those AQs matter. That's part of the, the broad-based opportunities that we have in Division I sports is the lower resource conferences and the higher resource conferences can all gain access. That is Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner today. Well, which is it about, football. the resources or the opportunities? When you're sitting here saying, oh, we got way too many schools spending too much money. Well, why are you spending that much money? Yeah, That's my question number one. Not to be Pollyanna on you, but like, yeah, there is a way to be competitive without emptying your bank account for all of your different sports that are, by definition, non-revenue sports. Yes. Okay. Now, you want to talk about the men's basketball or women's basketball and the resources they're spending and not being included. Well, there's probably specific reasons why those schools aren't getting in. We've seen this with Wake Forest last year. We saw it with NC State in 2019. If you don't have the right non-conference schedule, you're not going to get in. It, this isn't like rocket science. You don't have to redo the whole thing. Now, if he would have just said, we've seen this in Major League Baseball, we've seen this in the NFL. We're expanding because we want to see a higher percentage of our participating teams be involved in the postseason. You don't want to involve the money on that, even though, wink, wink, nod, nod, you're expanding because of the about, television rights. It's always about the money. Right? But you don't have to position it in such a way as, oh, you know, Wake Forest is spending a bunch of money on basketball. They didn't get in last year. Well, Wake Forest, all they had to do was call, actually, Mark Gottfried and say, hey, Mark. How do you how do you set up a non-conference schedule? Because right. the the got man would have gotten you in, and that's and that's what this is ultimately about. It's sneaking more of your teams in rather than five. Just do better. I mean, that's a simple solution. Just do right, better. Pat Narduzzi. You want you you, you want to get there? Beat Clemson. Simple as that. <laughs> now here's Jim Phillips on the logistics of what it would look like if they expanded the NCAA tournament field. The but is you have to look at what does that do this season? How many more games are we talking about? What are the financial implications? What does it do to conference championship season? So similar to what we've done in the CFP, I think we'll have to do the same across the sports that are sponsored from an NCAA level. So that's Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, and he closed out remarks regarding the NCAA tournament expansion on the part that I think is missing the point, and that's whether or not expanding the field is going to diminish the value of the NCAA tournament. Be be very focused on what he says about the excitement of the NCAA tournament field in this quote and where he's ultimately missing the point that affects him personally. What do you do during the regular season? What do you do during conference play? You can't just add a bunch of new games. So there's got to be a little bit of give and take in that. But I, I, David, I think it's, I, th I really believe it to be possible. And I don't, I don't think it gets watered down. I don't, I don't believe that the NCAA tournaments get less exciting in baseball or lacrosse or basketball by having additional schools that qualify for it. That's Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner. And Julio, he's right. The excitement of the NCAA tournament is still going to be there if it's 96 teams or 128 teams. 
Major League Baseball fought expansion, fought expansion of the playoffs for so long. What did we get this past weekend with the three-game series? The perfect formula, in my opinion. Right. So we like postseason action, all right? That's what we like. But at what cost? And that's the yeah. part that I think that Jim Phillips and the presidents are missing. What's the cost? And I think that's where, if we want to take the basketball in particular, but it can be applied across the board. Yeah. The value of the regular season becomes the buy that you earn, and it is an actual buy in a postseason tournament. Yeah. When you get a buy, it becomes, well, now you have to play fewer games to get to your goal. And I think that becomes a legitimate reward yes. for how you play in the regular but season. But what's the reward of a conference tournament Well, now, now there you go. Now there you, you go you're essentially, hey, look, the ACC tournament is viewed as this crown jewel of postseason play for the sure. ACC. It helped build the league. They did an entire documentary about it on the yep. ACC network. Are they going to do a follow-up documentary about how the expansion of the NCAA tournament field has diminished the entire point? Well, that's when you flip it to the beginning of the season and you yeah. open the season with the ACC tournament. That's the best way to go about it. But I would be curious to see if coaches would actually sign off on it. There used to be I, something I, like that before, even right down to the Big Four tournament. But I got news got for away you. From it. It, ain't the, it ain't the coach's call. It's the conference's call. Yeah. And it, there's no such thing as the conference anymore either. It's ESPN. Let's so get, you'll see what happens. Let's get to the top story of the day. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. It's all about the Carolina Hurricanes out here, PNC Arena. We're here for game one of the regular season. Adam Gold will have Stormwatch for you. Start at 6.30 tonight. Catch the game. Stick around for the aftermath. And the Canes Corner will be back. An actual morning after pod will be back along with all the other great podcasts that have been coming out for the 25th anniversary of the Carolina Hurricanes. You can check out the 25th anniversary Canes Corner podcast right now. New episode out today hosted by Adam Gold. It's brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Check them out at AluminumCompany.com. We will talk to West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN, live from Charlotte next. With tip-off this year, Joe, we didn't go. Obviously, we're here at PNC Arena. There was a reason why we'd rather be here than at ACC tip-off, because for this area right now, the Kane success, it's been positioned. Wait a minute. Is it Timmy Trumpet? It's closer time. Oh, it's closer time. But I, I feel like the area has kind of gotten to a point now, especially in a year where you don't have a Coach K farewell tour. And while there is still hype about Carolina, and I, and I know you feel like they can win the national championship this year, that Kane's and their success has actually ripped a traditional calendar up and has positioned the Canes to be the thing that you want to be talking about at the start of the season in October rather than something like basketball. You try to think of it this way. In college basketball, we used to know the rosters every year. We used to know who was coming back. We used to know the freshmen coming in. You knew all, you know, you'd go to Broughton. You'd go to the, the Holiday Invitational oh, yeah, and man. watch them play. And the gym would be packed. Oh, man, John Wall and C.J. Leslie are playing. Let's go watch Word of God. We all knew all of those players. The rosters have turned over so much in the last 10 years. It's hard to know who's here, who's not here. Now, the one constant, of course, for Carolina, Roy Williams. The constant for Duke, of course, Mike Krzyzewski, don't have those constants. Now, that doesn't mean either of those programs is going to fall off the cliff. No. Carolina was, uh, what, two minutes from a national championship last year. Mm -hmm. And they had an inspiring run to the tournament, through the tournament. Duke, you know, has the top recruiting class in the country again. And I think John Shire, this is going to be a fascinating study in the succession plans, right? Because 
this was what Mike Krzyzewski wanted last year. He put last year – last year's pain was for this year and the next three to five years for Duke basketball. Yep. And they were not up to the task last year. I don't know who would have been, though, under those circumstances. No, under the, they, they could try to contain it as much as they wanted. And I want to relitigate my opinions on how they did it. I still think it was the right thing to do for your very reason. It was a succession plan, and there was no doubt, and it actually made it, you know, even for the recruits, this is what's sure. going to happen rather than pulling a surprise on them. Wes Durham, ACC Network, joining us now on the Easter Automotive Group Hotline from Charlotte. Wes, what up, man? Hey, guys. How are you? We're good. So before we move to football, what has today's vibe at ACC tip-off been without any sort of farewell tour? No, like, <laughs> hey, Hubert Davis, you know, this is your first season as the head coach after Roy Williams retired. What, what's been the, the just general vibe today? I think the vibe is really interesting because it's drastically different than, say, two years ago when there was this huge unknown, right? We were signing the pandemic, all these players had vacated, all that, right? And now all of a sudden you're, you're back to where you said two to the Final Four. You feel like you've got five teams that are capable, I think, of of winning the ACC regular season. And, and now all of a sudden you start talking about the depth of the league. So yeah. I, I'm renewed optimism probably is the easiest phrase to use, I think, today. Did we lose Wes? Potentially. Oh, there we are. Uh, oh, you're back. There you are, Wes. Anyway, sorry. It's a okay. reset. So we, we, we were, you were just talking about the depth of the league this year. Right. And I think renewed optimism is the best term to use. I think you see four or five teams capable of winning the regular season, maybe six. Uh, you know, Duke and Carolina are clearly the brands, but you can't discount Virginia. You can't discount Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Miami, Florida State. See, already you're at six. And I think renewed optimism about the depth of the league is probably the thing I take away from today. West Durham, ACC Network, joining us here on the OG and the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. We're out at PNC Arena. Saturday night, you're going to be in, Dur in Durham, though. Let's let's yeah. talk a little football because I did, I did not expect Duke – to be in the position that they are. I know they're coming off the loss to Georgia Tech, but I'm still impressed with what Mike Elko has done. And you've done a couple of Duke games already this year. What have you seen from Duke that they've been able to turn this thing around so quickly? Well, I think number one is I, Mike Elko, we can talk about fits for jobs, but clearly that's a good one, right? The second piece of it is this. I think Kevin Johns has done a terrific job offensively with number one, building confidence in Riley Leonard at quarterback, but number two, finding different ways for Duke to attack. Um, you know, who amongst us thought they'd be fourth in rushing or, you know, top half of the league in, in total offense. We, we knew defensively there might be a steeper hill, but I give that offensive side a lot of credit, and, and I think that's going to be the challenge on Saturday night, Joe, to be honest with you, because one thing we know about Carolina, they can score the football. They can score the football, but it can also get away from them from time to time as well. We saw this in the second half against Miami, mm. and this is where right. the flip over to the defense became such a big thing. And, you know, Mac Brown, head coach of the Tar Heels, talking about that goal line stand, and they, they, they've been talking about incremental improvements, even though that maybe I or fans go, hey, you might be talking them up a little bit prematurely. But have you seen a little bit of an incremental in, uh, improvement out of North Carolina's defense? I think so, and I think you have to remember kind of the lay of the land. They, they probably spent the first couple, three weeks, you know, just acclimating, and they were doing it as we've come to find out, you know, whether it be Florida A&M, Appalachian, up until a week or so ago was, you know, pretty potent offensively. And then I think when you had a chance to lock down a Virginia Tech team 
who, you know, has, at times has struggled offensively, has of late especially. I think you yes. did that. And, and for some reason, I think they got some confidence going, which is good. But then last Saturday, you know, to your point, there were spurts of where they were. Yeah. Now, Saturday night, they will have to ride the wave a little bit. Um, you know, Duke is the kind of team that, you know, can, can vary a little bit with what they do. And I think that's why you speak so well about what Kevin Johns has done offensively. But I think Carolina defensively is starting to make some plays. Remember last week, guys, that last week was the perfect storm for them to, to go back to the old ways, right? Give up the touchdown drive late, things like that. And they end up getting the pick on the final drive. There's got to be some good out of that if you're Gene Chizik and Mike Brown in terms of where the future of the defense is. Wes Durham, ACC Network. Hey, man, we appreciate you dropping by. I know it's been a busy day for you at ACC Tip-Off. We will talk to you later, man. All right. No two-way there. Canes need a goal tonight. Uh, the Canes Canes need – Must win. It's a must win. Must win. Game one. <laughs> must win, Wes. Take care. See you guys. All right.